Hi, I'm John Marn. I'm here today with Mike Capuccio, owner of NETR Inc., a heating and cooling company in Massachusetts with a focus on Mitsubishi ductless heating and cooling products. Today we're talking about heating installation in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Mike, what types of heating systems are available for homes in the Boston area, or or what types of systems do you typically see that homes already have installed? Well, we see a lot of different types of heating systems in the Boston area and the surrounding areas, John. We see, you know, we see we see gas heating, which is your, you know your typical gas furnace, ductwork, things like that that are in the home, and you know then we've got oil heat in homes with steam radiators and hot air coming through the vents from an oil furnace in the basement. Um, I've seen electric heat in homes. Some people are using propane in the surrounding areas Mm -hmm. to heat with. You know, each different type of fuel or generation of electricity uses different types of pieces inside the home. You know, I've seen electric heat. I've seen ceiling panel heaters. I've seen ceiling units with fans in them. I've seen, you know, your traditional little electric baseboard heater, um, you know, radiators with the old oil heat with the steam crackling away in the home. And, you know, and then you get your traditional gas furnace that's in the basement with ductwork and air, you know, warm air blowing out of the ductwork. And then you've got the oil furnace in the basement or an oil boiler in the basement, you know, water heat, baseboard with hot water running through it, warming up the hot water and running it through traditional baseboard. You know, sometimes that's controlled by a condominium association, possibly where, you know, you have five units in the building and the heat might be being controlled by one big boiler in the basement and possibly, you know, everyone has control over the heat and they're billing people for X amount of heat being used. So we've seen all different types of ways they mm-hmm. can do that in, in, the, in homes in the Boston area. And sometimes you see combinations of those too, where oh, like yeah. you, you might have those old radiators and maybe like an older part of your home and then, uh, and then electric baseboards in like an, an addition or something like that. I've seen hodgepodges of everything when I go out to home. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the house that's had, um, you know, sometimes I call them the house that Jack built, you know, they've got five different additions on them. They're heated five different ways. They've got a radiator over here. They've got electric heat over here. They've got a gas furnace over here. They might even have a Mitsubishi ductless unit over here and, you know, they're just doing five different ways to try and just get heat out of something to make it work in the home. So Right, right. I grew up uh, outside of Boston in Arlington, and, and I remember uh, when I was young, when the heat would kick on in the winter, I, I think we had... They weren't. Uh, they were maybe radiators of a type that were sort of built into the walls, uh, okay. with, with, you know, with like a grating o- over it. Yep. And uh, man, those things would bang and bang as the, you know Crack- as the heat the, came on. Yeah, <laughs> crackling, just crackling when they you know they banging and right. well, it's, it's the heat as they're warming up. They sit in the wall about two or three inches and then they kind of come out. That was right. probably a home right. built in probably the late fifties, I would assume. Probably yep. probably yep. mid fifties to early forties, and you know the big old cast iron radiators that. You know, God, some of those things was four feet tall by three feet wide, depending right. on how much heat you needed. And you had the little whistle on the side, and the steam would come out of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your mom would take a, a pan of hot water and put it on top of the on top of the radiator to get some humidity in the house. The water would start steaming uh, up. Right, and, right. You know, 
get some of that. It wasn't a bad way to humidify the home at the time, right, but, you know. Right. But change happens slow, and, and you still see a lot of those types yeah, of things. Yeah, we still see a lot of those old radiators, cast iron radiators. You know, you're seeing them as, as these homes in the Boston area now. We see a lot of what's happening now is, you know, urban renewal, and they're just going in and gutting these places out. People buy a, you know, a three, four-unit home in, in the Boston area. It might have been, you know, owned by one family, and it was possibly tenants in there. And now they're taking those, and they're, they're making condominiums out of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it has a central heating unit in there. Now they've got to get rid of that. They need to have a separate heating unit for each individual condominium where each owner can control their own heat and they pay their own utility bills. They've got to separate those utilities now. So that's where it comes in with our products. They're good to do that because we can we can separate each unit and you know put provide heating and cooling at the same time. We have units that'll run down to zero degrees, minus four degrees. And you know, a lot of times when we see these renewals or you know remods getting done in the Boston area you know, they're, they're going in, they've got to build to the new building codes now, and you, you've got to provide the right insulation, you've got to put the two-by-six construction, and, you know, now this is a tight home, it's got new windows, it's got new insulation, the heat loads aren't as high as they used to be mm. back in, you know, in the 40s and 50s and stuff, when people, you know, you're using very thin insulation, now you've got to use better insulation, a lot of times put the spray foam in there, and, you know, the, the isonine foams, and when they do that, I mean, these homes are so tight, they the heating loads they require practically nothing sometimes. Right. So talk a little bit more about the uh, Mitsubishi ductless systems for heating and and why those are a really good option for heating in a lot of homes. Well, you know, in the past, I'm going to say five years now, you know, we've we've come out with new products now with Mitsubishi Electric that they're called hyperheating units. And the hyperheating units, you know, when you talk about your traditional heat pump back years ago, they they did not provide heat. After 30 degrees, 28 degrees, you know, the electric heat strips were coming on and you just couldn't provide the heating that you needed out of the condensing unit. Well, that's all changed now in the past five years. I mean, we have condensers that can give you full heat at minus four degrees. I mean, you can have a a 48,000 BTU heat pump that gives you sometimes even more than 48,000 BTUs at these these lower temperatures. I mean, even at like 17, 18 degrees, a 48,000 BTU heat pump is giving you upwards to sometimes 50, 55,000 BTUs of heat. That's what a, a hot air furnace puts out. Mm. You know, and, you know, we're looking at a lot of the way that, that the heating is changing now in Massachusetts too. Um, I was just in a meeting this past week. I was sitting down with our Mitsubishi people and they're they're coming at us now and they're saying, hey, a lot of these mass CEC rebates are going to be changing for the year 2019. What's going to be happening now is if you inc- if you install a Kumu cloud station, which is I'll get into what what that is in a minute, but if you have oil heat or you have propane heat and you're going to use a heat pump to supplement or heat your home with the existing heating system that you have with oil heat or propane heat right now, there's sick. They're going to be offering sixteen hundred dollars a ton for these rebates. So just think about this: if you've got a four-ton system or a forty-eight thousand BTU system, you're going to install. You're looking at up to fifty-four hundred dollars in rebates to install one of these stations in your home to control your heat pump and your boiler. What's going to happen with this is the Kumu Cloud station goes in the home. What the Kumu Cloud is is it's a it's a Wi-Fi app to run the indoor units in your home. Basically, you know, you control it from your smartphone and tell it what to do. But what this is going to do is going to tie into this big station that we put into your house. It's not real big. It's probably about 
12 inches long by eight inches wide by about two inches thick. We're going to install it probably in the basement or in a closet somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to hook up through the Wi-Fi system. It's going to monitor your outdoor temperature, your indoor temperature, your humidity levels, things like that. But what it's going to do, here's the big function. Here's where the rebates are going to come in. And they're going to say, okay, at 20 degrees, I want to switch over to my boiler. I feel my boiler might be more efficient at that point. I have an older home. So at 20 degrees, I'm going to switch over to my to my boiler. Anything above 20 degrees, I'm going to have my Mitsubishi system control my heating. Okay. And, you know, a lot of towns now, too, what we're seeing is, um, you know, they're all looking for that that carbon-neutral footprint. It's it's. I mean, I heard in a meeting a couple of weeks ago too. Some of them, some of those looking at by the year twenty fifty, they'd like to have a carbon neutral footprint in their city, wow. where they don't even want to have natural gas burning heat in these in these areas now. So I mean, they're trying to get rid of the oil. They're trying to limit the use of the oil. They're trying to limit the use of the propane because these fossil fuels, you know, that they're expensive to operate. They're not good for the environment, and that's why these rebates are really kicking in hard. I was I was shocked when I heard the amount of money that people are going to be able to get for this, and I mean. All right, so people are probably saying, okay, well, what is the the cost of this this system that you have to put in? And I get this rebate. I mean, you're probably looking at somewhere around twenty five hundred dollars to three thousand dollars to install the additional controls, but you're getting back fifty four hundred mm. on some of these things. You know, depending on how many tons and what we put in, that two thousand nineteen is going to be a lot of changes in in the way that people heat their homes now when they see what's going on. Oh, and on top of that too, these these products are all going to fall right into the zero percent mass save loans that you can get for seven years through the state that are unbelievable. I mean, we, we can come in your home, we can do a 0% loan for seven years, have you save money on your oil and propane bills, on your heating bills, and you can finance this for seven years at no interest through the state. Yeah, that's so, great. You know, they're using a lot of these small local banks and not using your bigger banks and stuff, but um, we guide you through that process. We're going to help you with that. And I mean, the, the, from this, from a heating perspective, is this is going to be a, a, a a lot of change in the next three to five years on the way people heat their homes. You talked a little bit about this uh, Kumu cloud station. And, and so does a, a ductless HVAC system then uh, replace a, a traditional heating system or does it supplement it and work with it? It can replace it or it can supplement it. Okay. With the Kumu cloud station, you're going to be supplementing it. You're going to supplement your your oil or, or, your, or your gas or your propane or your electric. However you're doing that, you're going to supplement that. That's if the... the the Mitsubishi system can't do the full heating load. Okay. I mean, you know, some days, I mean, you know, I mean, last winter we got down to minus 10 at one couple of days there. I mean, and, you know, I'm not saying the heat pump can't do the job, but it's going to struggle on a minus 10 degree day. So, you know, I I always say to the people, hey, just leave the system in your house. If you never use it, you never use it. If you need it, it's always there. Right. So, um, no, but there are plenty of homes we do where they're a full source of heat. We don't put anything else in the home, but then you wouldn't need the Kumu Cloud Station. You would just you would install the Wi-Fi devices to, you know, set your timers and do what you want to do with your zones in your home mm-hmm. with the Kumu Cloud app. Okay, and, and what types of homes and apartments do you find in Boston and areas around Boston, and how does that kind of affect the choice of of how you install uh, or what types of installation you do for a ductless heating units? Well, it all depends on the t- the type of building, John. You know, if it's an apartment that's all owned by one owner. Um, you know, we've done some stuff in the north end of Boston where we, you know, we have one one builder there who, you know, he might have five stories there, and we we put five individual units. Most times, they want to get the utilities onto the tenant 
or the owner, get it off the owner and get it on the tenant. Um, we do many, many jobs like this. So they want to take the electric panel that's in that unit and be able to tie the heat pump onto that. And, and here's where it really falls into play too, because a lot of these units don't have big electric services. You know, they might have a 100 amp service or they might have a 60 amp service coming into the building for just that one floor. Our units don't draw a lot of current. So most times we can either use the 60 amp panel, depending on what's in it, or the 100 amp panel. And then we can just put the unit outside, put it on the roof, put it where we need to put it, and zone out each floor so each tenant is now paying for their own heat. That's, right. that's the big thing is they want to get it off of get it off of them. I mean, we've done apartment buildings and and we did a big one in Lynn. We did a Needham's Landing in Lynn that was um, built by a developer. That was a almost a fifty unit building that we put fifty systems in. I mean, we had everything from three zone units in there to two zone to one zone. There was studios, one bedrooms, and two bedrooms, and we put three zones in the two bedrooms, two zones in the two in the one bedrooms, and then we put one unit in the studios and we placed all the condensers strategically outside around the building. They they covered them in with a landscape and stuff the way they put them together. We ran all the piping up through the walls when the construction was being done. And um, again, each heat pump is now on each tenant in that building. So they, you know, they have their own zones. And I mean, the, the heating is very economical because you can remember, you get in a big apartment building, you have four walls on it. If you're the unit in the middle, you've only got one exterior wall. You got the hallway and two walls on the right and left are right. tenants, and then the other one is the hall. So you've got one exterior wall. I mean, you're not drawing, you're basically heating your home for what you're paying for air conditioning, probably $30, $40 a month sometimes on the right. studios. You know, the exterior ones with two walls on the corners, maybe a little more because it gets a little colder in the wintertime. But, um, you know, the big thing with that apartment building was, again, square footage. They didn't want a closet. These, you know, square footage is just worth so much money now. You got fifty units and you've got fifty four by four closets in there. You're giving up a lot of square footage. Right. Square footage is how they sell these units and with prop, you know, with the money and how they get their rents of, of square footage sure. versus a closet versus living space. You know. So that sounds like that's good for tenants, uh, you know, as well, that not only are they getting a system where, you know, which is very efficient and, and keeps the costs down overall, but then, you know, for a, a cost-conscious tenant who doesn't, uh, is cognizant of how much electricity they're using or how much energy they're using for, yeah. for heating and hot water and things like that, you know, just uh, th- they can uh, really regulate, you know, how much energy they're using oh, yeah. and keep their own yeah. costs down. Um, I mean, I was in one in Lynn a few months back, you know, the two bedroom. I mean, one of the rooms was just shut off. It was it was a storage room. They basically had just junk in there. They had that that zone turned off. The bedroom turned up. Right. I mean, turned down to like fifty nine degrees. And you know, they're in the common area. It might have that turned on seventy degrees. So I mean, the zoning on them is incredible. You know, they can right. turn off the living room and kitchen at nighttime when they go to bed. I mean, you've got so many interior walls. I mean, you can just close your bedroom, heat your bedroom to seventy. I mean, if you know how to use this system, I mean, as a tenant. You can save yourself a ton of money on electricity and, and on your heating costs. All right, that's really great information, Mike. Thanks again for speaking with Thanks, me today. Sean. And for more information, visit the NETR website at netrinc.com or call 781 933 NETR. That's 781 933 6387.